Well, good morning, Celebration Church. Let's all stand up together wherever you are at. And at all of our campuses, could we just put our hands together in Green Bay, Appleton, and Stevens Point. Let's welcome all of our campuses here this morning. Good to have you. Welcome, church family, at all of our locations. Let's all join together. Let's say this. This is who we are. This is what we believe here at Celebration Church. Let's say this. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good to be with everyone. Uh, my name is Bob Gustafson, one of the pastors at Celebration Church, and welcome to everybody. Good to have you at Celebration Church today. Uh, before we jump into the message, just a few things I want to make you aware of, and one is that we've got team night coming up. You say, what is team night? Team night is if you serve anywhere on the dream team, the dream team, these are people that serve in kids areas, the ushers, the greeters, small group leaders, all these different areas in the church. Or maybe you would say, you know what? I wish I was serving in one of those spaces. This night is for you. And uh, what we're going to be doing is encouraging the team. And as we head into the fall, uh, during the summer, how many of you know that there's like vacations and barbecues and you miss a little church, all that sort of thing. And when we get into the fall, we get into more of that regular rhythm of life as kids go back to school and all that sort of thing. So this is an opportunity for us to share a little vision too of where we're going as a church. So I hope you're able to make it to team night. It is going to be on Sunday August 26th at 5 p.m. If you're in Stevens Point, they're going to do it right after their church service. So hopefully you're able to make it at all of our campuses to team night. And then also we've got Saturday prayer. So uh, God's really done something unique inside of me uh, in July, really. It started at the beginning of the year. We kicked off our year doing 21 days of prayer. It started there, but in July, God did something inside of me, I'm telling you. And I have got a passion for prayer and praying for the lost. And Saturdays are going to be dedicated to praying over our Sunday church services that lost people would be found. Can someone say amen? Amen. So if you want to join us, you're invited. You're invited to join us at all of our campuses at nine o'clock. We will do this 52 weeks a year. So I hope you're able to join us as we pray, and it'll be a good prayer service as we lift up our cities and we lift up the lost in our own lives. It'll be a powerful uh, morning every Saturday, and I hope you're able to join. Uh, and so that's coming up. Also, we've got another 21 days of prayer that is kicking off September 9th, and uh, we're going to spend 21 days praying. And, uh, and on Saturday prayer and during those 21 days, let me encourage you. Uh, when you walked in this morning, you got a worship guide. Inside of there is a spot where you can fill out a prayer request. We would like to know what we can be praying for you about. So bring those prayer requests. They'll be lined up on the stage. We'll take time on those mornings, including Saturdays, praying over those prayer requests. Now this one, we're going to torture you just slightly. Is there someone ready to be tortured? 
No one wants to be tortured, me especially. This is going to be early. This is going to be at 6 a.m. Oh, it just got quiet in here. We're going to do this at 6 a.m. And uh, we're doing it that early because we're going to start our days in prayer. And this hopefully gives you time to get to work on time, to get your kids to school on time, bring your teenagers if they want to come. But let's make prayer something that is a, a benchmark that we head towards, that our church would be a church that prays first. Amen? All right. Lastly, it is Missions Sunday, and I want to give you a little update on the Deborah Ann Gunger Music Hall. If you haven't heard, uh, we've got uh, some great partners in Myanmar, and there are over 200 kids that are at this orphanage called Love Children Home. In fact, we're doing a mission trip this October. There's 30 of us from Celebration Church that are going there from all of our campuses. It'll be a great time, and we're going to be part of building the Deborah Ann Gunger Music Hall, and it is underway. So I just want to show you some pictures because it's Missions. Sunday, and uh, you'll have an opportunity at the end of the service to give towards that. And uh, what we're doing are things like this and more. The list goes on and on and on. I wish I had a whole Sunday to share everything we do, but just check out some of these pictures that, they're, that they've got going on. They tore down all these trees, tearing them down, digging the foundation, bricks going up. Look at that. There's the full foundation going in. This is my favorite picture. It is hot in Myanmar. And this guy, he's up on the top, and you can see he's got a T-shirt over the top of his head. It's so hot, they're putting in the steel. Bricks going up, and there's the wall. So it is happening. Let's all put our hands together and give God praise for what's happening in missions. Thank you for giving. What you do makes a difference. So uh, the way we can do more is when everyone participates. So hopefully everyone is able to do something on this Mission Sunday when the basket passes at the end of the service. Well, this morning, I've got a message that I've entitled God's Vision. And I'd encourage you, the worship guide you received when you walked in has some message notes. If you want to follow along, maybe it'd be helpful for you to do that and take some notes during the message. It Maybe it'll kind of help drive it home a little bit for you. So you can pull those out if you'd like. But uh, how many, just a show of hands, how many at all of our campuses have 2020 vision? Could you raise your hands? All of our campuses, 2020 vision. There's just not a lot of people. I got my hand up because I got 2020 vision. Isn't it awesome? It's a beautiful thing. You don't put on glasses. You don't put in contacts. My dad, he had pretty good vision growing up. And I remember going out to him, going to a restaurant. He could read the menu, but something happened when he turned like 52. And now he can't read menus anymore. And, you know, I'll go out to eat with my mom and my dad and the brother, my aunts and uncles, and they're all passing around reading glasses now, you know, because they can't read the menu. And uh, there's something that happens in our 40s, and they say that your vision begins to deteriorate, and, uh, and we need to have clarity of vision. So this morning, I want to talk about what is God's vision. There's a verse in Proverbs that says this. It says, if people can't see what God is doing they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what God reveals, they are most blessed. We want you to be most blessed in your life. God's got blessings for you. And when we understand what it is that God's revealed, we no longer are stumbling all over the menu, but we can clearly see what God's got for us. And you have blessings in your life that come when you've got clarity of vision. So this morning, I want to share four thoughts that have been in the scriptures from the very beginning, from the Old Testament all the way to the New. There are four things that God has always wanted for people. 
And I want to convince you of it this morning, and I'm going to share it in just a few different ways, that this is the vision that God has always had for you, that this is the, God, the vision that God's always had for people. And before I jump into that, I want to jump into the foundation of the message, and the foundation of the message is this, that God loves people. And if we're going to love God, we need to love what God loves, and God loves people, which means God loves those who are lost. In fact, God will leave the found to go after that which is lost. It's part of why we're praying on Saturdays to say, God, break my heart for what breaks yours, and watch how your passion for lost people begins to change. So there's a story in Luke chapter 15. It says this, now the tax collectors, these are the baddest, baddest guys, most despised people of the day. Think of the most despised person in your life. These guys are it. So now these guys, the despised, the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they muttered. I like that word, muttered, muttered. They were muttering, right? Your kids ever mutter to you? You know what it's like, right? So these Pharisees, they're muttering. And they, they don't like the fact that the sinners and the tax collectors and the despised wanted to hear what Jesus had to say. There was a way that Jesus communicated. There was a way that Jesus lived that drew people that were lost. And it's the characteristics that we need to have. In fact, Jesus welcomed them. It said, this man welcomes sinners. Not only did the sinners want to hear what Jesus had to say and they gathered by the thousands, but Jesus, in fact, welcomed the sinners. They said, and he eats with them. Remember the story of Zacchaeus? He's up in the sycamore tree. He's the tax collector. Jesus said, I'm having dinner at your house tonight. Jesus went to the most despised and said, can I go to your house and eat a meal? That's the kind of heart we need to have for those that are lost. And then it goes into a parable. It says, then Jesus told them this parable. He tells a story. He says, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses just one. Doesn't she light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully. We need to be like this lady, searching carefully. Who is it in your life around you that needs to know God? She searched carefully until she finds it. That's how we need to be. We need to search carefully for those that are lost. And we need to care about what God cares about and God cares about people and God cares about the lost. If we're gonna love God, we need to love lost people here at Celebration Church. The third story in Jesus' parable is that of the prodigal son. And you're probably familiar with this story. The story of the prodigal son is there's two sons and the youngest asks for his inheritance. And so the father splits it up. He gives the youngest son his inheritance. And the Bible says he goes and he squanders it on wild living. And watch the response of the father when he comes home. He says, but we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. That's the heart of the father. In fact, the heart of God is that he will leave the 99 who are found to find the one who is lost. God will leave found things all day long to go after the lost. There's a great quote by D.L. Moody. 
D.L. Moody said this. He said, our greatest fear should not be a failure, but of succeeding at something that really doesn't matter. You know, I don't want us to be a church that feels fa- fears failure, and I don't want us to be a church that's focused on the wrong things. I want us to be focused on what really matters. And if someone here, if someone at one of our campuses would like a little more of the heart of God and have your heart break for loss, can someone say amen? Amen. We want it, man. God, give me more of your heart. We should be praying that my heart would break for what breaks yours. So God's vision. If we're going to see clearly, we need to know what God's vision is. So we need to know what it is if we're going to see it clearly. So what is God's vision? God's vision is number one. God's vision is that lost people would be saved. It's what God's always wanted from the beginning. There's this verse. It's kind of a sobering verse. It says, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. It says, on judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord. We did all kinds of Christian things. We, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons. We performed miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. God wants to know you. God wants to go from a knowing up here to a knowing right here. This was my story growing up. I grew up in a church not a whole lot different than this. Maybe that's your story. Maybe you grew up going to church. Maybe it wasn't like this one, but you grew up, man, I grew up going to church 52 Sundays a year. In fact, they even gave me a key to the church so I could go up there and pray when I was in high school. I drive up there and pray before school sometimes. I went to a private Christian school, but I tell you what, I knew God here and I didn't know God here. Maybe that's you here today and you don't know God here. And at the age of 17, I gave my life to the Lord and was transformed forever. God's vision is that lost people would be saved and that saved people would be pastored. How many of you know that when you come to Christ, you still got some issues in your life? Yeah, we got a few. In fact, look at your neighbor and say, you've got some issues. Why don't you look at your second choice and say, I picked you second because you've got some really bad issues, right? We've got some issues. I've got issues in my life. All of us still need to find some freedom in our life because there are yesterdays still coming, and we need to continually be in this place where we're get finding freedom in our lives, uh, and we need to help pastor people through these issues. The, um, the other night, uh, I was sitting, it was the first Saturday we did prayer up here, which was two weeks ago. That Friday night, I was sitting outside with my wife, and I was just kind of wrestling through some of these thoughts with my wife, Dana, and uh, I said, ah, it's our job to pastor people, which includes our kids. Parents, your job is to help pastor your kids. We're supposed to be living this thing out, and I'm like, you know what? You know who would love to go pray on Saturday? Dylan, my son Dylan, he's 12 years old. As soon as I said that, our windows are down. Dylan, he knocks on, he knocks on the, the window, and he had, he had a yogurt, and it's the kind with the M&Ms on top. Anyone familiar? Delicious yogurt. So he's got his yogurt, and he said, can I have this yogurt? And I said, yes, but come here. And he said, he said can, can I have this yogurt? I said, yes, come here. This? I'm like, yes, come here. So he comes outside, and he opens the door, and he, I said, hey, Dylan, you can have the yogurt, but 
I'm going to go pray at church on Saturday at 9 o'clock. Would you like to go pray with me? We're going to pray that, that people would meet Jesus at church on Sunday. Do you want to come and pray? And Dylan goes, uh, yeah, yeah, I totally want to pray. Um, actually, I took off my little bracelet. I gave him a bracelet that says pray first. You can get these at prayer, by the way. Um, I gave him a bracelet that says pray first. And he goes, actually, I took that off because I didn't want to lose it because it was a little bit big. But it's on my desk. I'm going to go put it on. And, and what time should I set my alarm for? And uh, I, you know what that is? It's helping someone take a next step in their journey. And that's our job as parents. That's our job as the body of Christ is to help people take next steps. So I asked Dylan that morning when we came to pray. I said, hey, Dylan, who is it that forgives your sins? And Dylan said, God does. I said, 100%, buddy. Good job. Perfect answer. God forgives your sins. Good job. I said, but check this out. In James 5, 16, it says, therefore, confess your sins to each other. And pray for each other so that you may be healed. If you want to experience freedom in your life, if you want to experience healing in your life and freedom, you need to get around some people that you can do life with that are going to push you in that direction. It says that those people, the righteous person, you get around some of them and it's powerful and it's effective in your life. If you want to encounter freedom, God's way of helping you encounter freedom has always been around, uh, around the idea of you getting around people of faith that can help you take some next steps in your life. So God's vision is that lost people would be saved, that saved people would be pastored, and that pastored people would be trained. And I chose that word trained. Another word would be discipled. But I think discipling and sometimes it gets a bad rap. I think sometimes we got the wrong idea of what it means to be a disciple. What it really means is to be trained. Think about someone that goes to college to be an accountant. They go to school, they go to college to be an accountant so they can get a J-O-B job and move out of mom and dad's house, right? So you go to school and you take classes that are specific so that you can be an accountant. Or if you go to medical school, you take classes that are specifically medical classes so that you can be a doctor so that you can get your J-O-B job and pay off all your student loans, right? That's, that's what it's like to be a disciple. It's being trained because we as followers of Jesus, we've got a job to do. In fact, the Bible said that God's prepared things in advance for you to do. We've got work to do, so we need to be trained to be able to do the job. The Bible says this in Romans chapter 12. It says, we all have different gifts according to the grace given each of us. It says, just as a body, though one has many parts, but its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. We're all different parts of the body of Christ, and we need to be functioning if we're going to be a healthy body. So some of us, our eyes or ears or nose or toes or spleens or kidneys, or, we're all different parts of the body of Christ. So we need to learn what is our part so that we can play it well. So God's vision, God's vision is that lost people would be saved, that saved people would be pastored, that pastored people would be trained, and trained people would be mobilized. There's a saying that I've heard before. Maybe you've heard it. It's this. It's that the local church is the hope of the world. Doesn't that sound pretty good? I think it's missing something, though. I think what it's missing is this word right here, that the local church mobilized is the hope of the world. We've got a job to do and we need to be mobilized so that we're making a difference in the world. Isaiah, a 
put it to you one more way. Isaiah spoke of this exact same thing, God's vision for you. This is the way Isaiah said it. He said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and to provide a, uh, for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting for the Lord, the display of splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins. They will restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. God's vision is that we would be people that would rebuild, that we would restore, that we would renew that which has been broken. That's what God has called us to do. So Isaiah, the way he put it, God's vision, proclaim the good news. Pardon me. Proclaim the good news. Bind up the brokenhearted. Bestow on them a crown of beauty. You were once defined by your yesterday, but your yesterday was just the incubator for the purpose for God's got, that God's got for your life. What you've experienced yesterday is just preparing you for what's got, what God has got. They rebuild others. Jesus, he said it this way. Here's one other way. God's vision for your life. It's the great commission. Jesus said, to them, and he's saying it to you, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. <coughs> and these signs will accompany those who believe. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. God's vision is that we would preach the gospel, that whoever would hear it would believe and that those people would be pastored, that signs would follow, that we would find what are the gifts that God's got for me so that I can be active in the world so that we can go out and be sent. How do we say it here at Celebration Church? You're going to hear a lot of this. This is how we want to say it here at Celebration, that you would know God find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. In fact, at all of our campuses, can we all say that together? Let's say this. Say, know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. That's right. That's God's vision for your life. Number one, know God. If we're going to help people on this journey, how do we do it here at Celebration Church? How do we help people know God? A few thoughts as I close today's message. Number one, we have Sunday experiences that both unchurched and churched people love to attend because reaching the lost is the biblical mandate that says this, that the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That's why I want to personally invite you to pray with us each and every Saturday that the blinders would be taken off people's eyes, that they would encounter Jesus. <coughs> Because 
heaven and hell are realities. And because inviting the unchurched people to a life-giving church service is one of the most effective methods for reaching the lost. I want you to partner with our church. Every Sunday, we will present the gospel clearly so people can hear, so that the lost would be able to grasp it. Maybe you would say, you know what? I don't know how to do that, or I don't feel comfortable doing that. Well, we will present it clearly each and every Sunday, so partner with us. But you know what you have that I don't have? You've got neighbors. You've got coworkers. You've got friends. You've got family. You've got people in your life that I don't have. So let's work together. Invite people into a life-giving church experience so that they can encounter Jesus because it is one of the most effective methods of reaching the lost. God's vision is that people would know God and that they, number two, would find freedom. This says this, that as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. <coughs> In Ecclesiastes, it says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If any of them falls down, one can help them get up, but pity on the one who falls and has no one to help them up. Small groups are where people can experience community and freedom and take next steps because small groups are the biblical model. In Acts, we see that every week they gathered together in the temple and then day by day they were meeting in each other's homes. Small groups are the biblical model because life change happens in relationships, because people need to be known. I dare you, ask somebody, tell me the last 10 sermons you heard, and I promise you're going to hear crickets. Ask somebody, tell me 10 people that have influenced your life. I don't care if it's for the good or for the bad, and it can be 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. They can just rattle it right off because God has always used people in our lives. So number one, know God. Number two, find freedom. Number three, discover purpose. Growth track is where you can discover your purpose. And starting in September, we will have a growth track here every Sunday after church at every single one of our campuses. And this is an opportunity for you to discover your purpose, to understand how God's wired you. What are your spiritual gifts? What's your personality? How do I grow in my leadership? And how do I get activated to go make a difference? It's going to be a four-step process. We're asking you to give us four Sundays out of your life. And I would love it if everybody at our church went through growth track. Find a time. It's going to be the same time every week. It's going to be predictable. Step one, two, three, four. Sunday one, two, three, four. It's coming up, and we're inviting you to join with us and do growth track because every believer has spiritual gifts. We all have a gift that's been given to us by God because the main function of ministers is to equip you to do the ministry. You, the church, are to be equipped to do the ministry. It's called uh, priesthood of the believers. It's being a shepherd. And we're all called to be shepherds in people's lives. I don't care if it's with your kids. I don't care if it's with your small group. I don't care if it's on the dream team, we are called to be shepherds. And shepherds are people that say, hey, there's some really nice green grass over here. Let's go eat it. 
and they go and they eat the good green grass. It's about helping people take next steps. Small group leaders are people that will pray for people each and every day. If you've got eight people in your group, they're going to be committed to praying for you. They're going to be committed to helping you take next steps in your life. So let me tell you, let me encourage you, join in with these things because the discovery of purpose produces hope. When you discover purpose in your life, it'll give you something that's bigger than your problems. If you feel like you're lacking hope in your life, if you feel like you're lacking faith, if you feel like you're lacking vision, you're probably lacking some purpose. You need to discover your purpose in your life, and that's what Growth Track is all about, helping you discover your purpose. This is where we can be like Paul who said this, I'm hard-pressed on every side. I'm crushed but not perplexed. I am beat down but not in despair. We can be like Paul, that even though there's all these outside things going on in our lives, we've got a hope that's beyond anything that we can understand. Amen? It happens when you get some purpose in your life, some God-given purpose. We want you to discover that. So God's vision, number one, that you would know God. Number two, find freedom. Number three, discover purpose. And number four, to make a difference. It says it this way in Acts. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given me. God's got work for you to do, church, every single one of you to make a difference. So we've got an easy and effective process where you can serve on the dream team. And in fact, we're using this word dream team. We're kind of getting rid of that word volunteer. Volunteer's got kind of a weird connotation. Volunteer says, hey, you're here to fulfill my dream, but you're not here to fulfill my dream. You're here to join a team so that you can fulfill the dream that God's placed inside of each and every one of you. And by getting on a team, you can get into a place where you're seeing this play out in your life. It's why we want you to be on the dream team so that you can be ministering because people ministering is the dream. That's the dream that God's got for you because people need to be loved, because serving others meets the deepest need of the human heart. Uh, there's this thing called Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Anyone hear of that? They used to identify five. Now sociologists have expanded the list to seven. The highest need that they identify in the human heart is what sociologists call transcendence. Another way of saying that is that you make a difference. God wants you to make a difference in your life. So my question is, what's your next step? What's your next step? We've all got next steps that we need to take in our life. And as, as, as our campus pastors, they get ready at all the campuses and as the ushers begin to get ready for communion at all of our locations and musicians come out and begin to play, what I want to ask you this morning is what's your next step? Maybe you're here today and you would say, you know what? I don't know God. I've not given him my life. I've not experienced what you're talking about, Pastor Bob. Your next step might be surrendering your life to God. Going from a knowing up here to a knowing right here. In fact, it's what communion's all about. That you could encounter Jesus in that way. 
And maybe you're someone here, you've encountered God, but you know you've got hang-ups from yesterday that are keeping you back. You know that there's something in your life that if it was gone, your life would be totally different. Some call it addictions. Maybe it is an addiction. Maybe it's just something you know if it wasn't there, you could experience more freedom and success in your life. Maybe it's time to give that stuff to God. Maybe it's time to find some people that you can get around that can help tell you, the green grass is over here, let's go eat it. What's your next step? Have you discovered why God put you on this planet? The Bible says he set out the boundary markers. It's no surprise that you're right here in Wisconsin. It's no surprise that you're right here at Celebration Church. It's no surprise that we're right here in 2018 and God's got a purpose for your life. Have you discovered it? Are you making a difference? What's your next step? Are you helping other people take the next steps? So the most important next step you can take is discovering why am I here? And you're here to know God. Do you know God this morning? I ask that everyone at all of our campuses, would you bow your heads and campus pastors, you can all kind of come and get ready. And we're going to pray together. And for some of you, this is going to be your moment and you know it. And you're saying, count me in on this prayer. This is me. Count me in. And you know it. You're sitting there right now and you would say, that's me. I've known God in my head, but I've not known him here. And I want to know God. I want to give him my life today. Would you just repeat this prayer with me? Everyone, let's, let's just all say this together. Say, dear Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. That you loved me so much, you went to the cross and took my punishment. I ask you to come into my heart and forgive me of my sins. I now surrender my life to you. Amen. Amen. Campus pastors, you can take it here in Green Bay. Let me encourage you. If you prayed that prayer with me this morning and you would say, that, that's me, it, that's me. I've got a next step for you to take. When you, when you leave this morning, would you do me a favor and go to our guest service counters just outside? We've got a book we want to give to you that's called New Beginnings so you can discover more of what God's doing on the inside of you. We'd love to get your contact information. And here's our hassle-free guarantee. We're not going to call you. We're not going to stop by your house. We just want to send you a letter letting you know some next steps you can take in your life. So you can do that as you walk out today.